many of this one is ready to start solids, they may experience challenges such as constipation. As a baby massage instructor, I regularly teach parents techniques to help the little one through these challenges. In this week's episode of First Time Mums Chat, you'll hear tips on how to help prevent constipation in babies from Jennifer Heiss, an author and registered dietitian from Calgary in Canada. During our chat, you'll hear Jennifer share tips and insights, including the importance of how you feed your baby and why you must learn to be responsive to the hunger and being for signals. Ways when your baby is starting solids to stop them from becoming picky eaters and how to determine whether your baby is gagging or choking and so, so much more. I'm Helen Thompson and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm a childcare educator and baby massage instructor and know that being a parent for the first time is challenging and changes your life in every way imaginable. To help ease your transition into parenthood, I aim to offer supportive, holistic approaches and insights for mums of babies aged mainly from four weeks to 10 months old. My goal is to assist you to become the most confident parent you can and smooth out the bumps along the way. This podcast is brought to you by My Baby Massage. To find out how Baby Massage can help you to increase your confidence and feel more connected with your baby, check out My Baby Massage introduction video at mybabymassage.net forward slash intro. Let's do this together. This podcast is for informational purposes only and does not constitute medical advice. Please contact a medical practitioner if you are concerned or have any medical issues. Hi Jennifer and welcome to First Time Mums Chat. I'm looking forward to chatting about baby led weaning and hearing some of your eating tips to help parents through some of the challenges they are likely to face. Can you start by telling us a bit about your background and what you do? Sure, well thanks for having me. I've been a dietitian or nutritionist for about, geez, 18 years now, I think. Wow. I know, time flies. I went to university for a nutrition degree and I'd always been interested in nutrition. My mom was one of those moms that only fed us whole wheat bread (laughs) and the things that you hate as a child, but come to learn to appreciate as you grow Mm -hmm. up as an adult. And I just figured that nutrition was always going to be useful for me and my family, no matter what stage of life we were in. So I went to university, did a year internship, went back to a different university for my master's because I love learning, love being a student. And I worked for a bit at a children's hospital. Um, And once I had my first child, I decided I just wanted more flexibility. Mm. So for 15 years now, I've had two other children since so three kids. I've run First Step Nutrition, which is my private practice, specializing in family and pediatric nutrition. Mm, so you've had a wide range of experience in nutrition, which is great. Yeah, I really enjoy it. And I'm still passionate about it after all these years, so it's fun. Yeah, and being a mum with three, I think it's really important to start your children at a very early age about good nutrition, because if you start them at an early age, hopefully they'll pick it up and they'll start eating more healthy yeah, exactly. And I love baby led weaning. I have a book, The Parents Guide to Baby Led Weaning, all about it. And that's one of the things I love about 
that method of starting solid. Although I find any approach or a combo, it's just exposing the baby from the beginning to mm. all those different textures, all those different tastes. It just sets them up to appreciate them more later. Yeah, I agree. Instead of giving them lots of pureed food, if they have that, it can help them with so many different things. If you feed them properly, you can avoid things like constipation. Yeah, it can help. And I had two babies that were quite constipated. And I think some of that, you know, is genetic and babies starting solids. It can take a while for their guts to figure out what to do with all these new mm-hmm. foods. It is fairly common when starting solid. And I think we can definitely chat about some ways to help prevent or cure constipation in babies today. Yeah, because I teach baby massage and I know from the tummy side, if a baby's constipated, what I can do. I think what you said is very valid, that a lot of the time babies' guts are just beginning to develop. And once they've gone from just liquid to solids, it's a huge transition for a baby. Their guts are just getting used to new textures and new food, as you mentioned. Yeah, exactly. I think some babies will be constipated no matter what you're feeding them because it is a big change, like you mentioned. But one of the main things we can do to help move the food along is encourage extra fluid. So even from when you start solids, it's okay to offer baby water. Now, they don't need a lot of extra fluids beyond breast milk or formula generally in terms of their nutrition, but I find adding a little bit of water can help prevent constipation and just, you know, one or two ounces at a meal. I've always been under the impression of you constipated prune juice and prunes are very good. Is that okay for a baby or not? Yeah, for sure. And if the water is not working, we look at adding a little bit of fiber through the diet, like beans, sometimes skipping the infant cereal for a couple of weeks because the iron in that can be constipating for some babies, looking at other sources of iron like meat or eggs or legumes. But prunes are great. You know, prunes, pears, apples even contain sorbitol which is a type of sugar that helps to draw water into the bowel. So it Mm. softens the stool. So I would definitely recommend prune puree or I have a recipe for fruit lax, which is a little bit of wheat bran and some prunes and a bit of juice. And you blend it up and kind of use it like a jam. So you can mix it into plain yogurt or spread it on toast. But prunes are definitely a great natural laxative and babies can have them for sure. Oh, that's good to hear because I wasn't sure if prunes were good for babies. When I've got constipation, if I have prunes the next day, I'm back to normal again. It's brilliant prunes for that. Yep, there you go. And it works the same way for babies, just helps soften the stool a bit and moves it along. I think it's the sugar in the prunes that will actually draw extra water into the stool (sighs) to help soften them. So yeah, that's how it works. The dried plum, is that right? Yes, they are, exactly. So if a baby is starting solids and they don't have constipation and you don't want them to be picky eaters, what would you recommend in that respect? I guess this could encompass a lot of different things. So definitely encourage lots of different tastes and textures. I often get asked, is it okay for my baby to have cinnamon or oregano or garlic? Absolutely. You know, other than a lot of added salt or sugar, those spices are great for baby and perhaps they'll be less picky little bit later on, really matters how you feed your baby too. We want to be responsive to their hunger signals or fullness signals rather than trying to get them to finish the jar. So we really need to respect those signals from the beginning too. Yeah, I think that's the key because if they're not hungry, they won't eat. But if they're hungry, they will eat. 
and giving them the choice and giving them the respect to do that, I think is is really good because I've seen a lot of mums in childcare to do that. They force their babies to eat because they think they've got to eat, but that's not going to help them. It's probably going to make them more into a picky eater when they're older because they're going to think, well, mummy forced me to eat when I'm little. And they remember that kind of thing. They've got a good memory. Mm-hmm. You know, it just makes meals unpleasant. And there's lots of research to show that the more we pressure our kids to eat, the less they actually eat, the less they weigh and the pickier they are. So while we think we need to get them to eat that tactic of pressure, whatever it may be, just totally backfires on us. Mm. Yeah. So with baby led weaning, because I'm a great believer in giving babies natural food, not the pureed food, like giving them soft cauliflower and different textures like carrots and even meat, if you eat meat. As a nutritionist, is there any particular food that you would recommend that you don't give to a baby to begin with? especially if it's baby-led weaning and you're not pureeing it. Right. So foods to avoid for babies in general would be anything with lots of salt or sugar or anything that could cause illness, like undercooked foods, sushi, things like that. In terms of safety when self-feeding and preventing choking, I know that's a great fear of a lot of parents when it comes to feeding finger foods. We just want to make sure the foods are soft so the baby can cough them up if it does happen to get past their gag reflex and they choke on it, as well as the shape as well can really do a lot to prevent choking. So we want to avoid serving babies any foods that are really hard or perfectly round, like a full grape in terms of safety and preventing choking. So there's a difference between choking and gagging. And I think a lot of parents find that hard to decipher what's the difference between choking and gagging and experience both. And for a parent who's just starting to give their baby solids and they see them gagging, they probably think they're choking. So how can we help them to find a difference between gagging and choking? Yeah, absolutely. That's so important because lots of parents do get terrified when their baby gags and then the baby is stuck on eating purees for two years because the parent's terrified of giving them food. Gagging is just the normal part of learning how to eat. It's protective against choking actually mm. and as baby ages the gag reflex on their tongue will move further back so as they age as they get practiced with finger foods they will become less gaggy a little rhyme i like to use to tell the difference is loud and red let them go ahead silent and blue they need help from you the a lovely rhyme yeah as a baby's loud right they're retching they're going red you can model spitting the food out, but I don't want you to go digging the food out or go pat them on the back because that may actually cause choking, in which case they tend to go blue. They're silent because they're not breathing. And that's quite rare compared to gagging, of course, but that's when you need to get out your CPR skills or call emergency services. Yeah, I've seen both. And I've gone overcautious when I've been working in childcare and somebody's done that. I've either got another staff member to come in quickly or I've done what you said trying to push it up and that sometimes Mm -hmm. frightens them sometimes that might frighten the baby a little bit too and it might not they might be disencouraged to eat I don't know I'm just thinking of that on the top of my head yeah absolutely so if the caregiver period freaks out is running around frantically if their baby is gagging then that is going to scare the baby and the next time it comes to eating that food or a similar food or a finger food, the caregiver and the peer and the baby are probably going to be a little extra cautious and nervous and anxious. So try and remain calm. (laughs) 
I guess the best thing to do is to make sure it's really soft and give them yep. things like broccoli, but cook it really well. Don't make it hard and give it to them so it's really, really soft and not too crunchy because that mm-hmm. way they can still pick it up. It's still soft, but it's not pureed. Yeah. And that way exactly. you know that if it goes down the wrong way, it's not going to choke them because it's so soft. Yeah, so it. I think that's definitely accurate. So if you can squish a food between your tongue and the roof of your mouth, that's nice and soft and it's going to be soft enough for babies. So if it does happen to get into their air tube, their coughing will be quite likely to expel it as opposed to a harder food that can get lodged there. And in terms of, of shape, if you have a mandolin at home, I'm not sure if you're familiar with those tools. That's my favorite. Oh, I am. I think of them as old fashioned, just things that you put in and you turn. <laughs> There's a few great kitchen tools you can use to make foods that are a safe shape. So the mandolin, which cuts them in almost a potato chip shape, like thin and round. And you could use that for a hard apple, pear, sweet potato, potato, and then steam them so they're nice and soft. Or a spiralizer, which kind of spiralizes them into the long coils. You could do that with a raw cucumber or zucchini even because they're soft. And then they're just that thin shape. So again, if they do happen to get past the baby's gag reflex and they choke on them, they're nice and soft. And they're not that perfectly round shape that could totally block the air tube. Mm, yes. And it probably is good for them to help them suck the sucking reflex as well while they're sucking it too. Yeah. And then the trick though, is when you're just starting, baby will palm the food. They can't pick up little pieces, right? So it has to be big enough for them to hold, stick out of their hand. They'll like eat down to their palm, drop what's left and then pick up another piece. So, you know, with the mandolin or the potato chip shape or a finger shape is fine too, as long as it's a soft food. Those are some of the shapes that beginner babies can handle. Even eggs are soft. I guess eggs a good because that wouldn't be a choking hazard would it yeah, you're right it is nice and soft so the baby might not be able to pick up pieces of scrambled egg at first but you could fry an egg slice it into strips or again something that's a little bit long that they could grab and that's a great starter food i was thinking about bald eggs actually oh yeah they can pick it yeah. up and they probably squeeze it in their hand before it gets to their mouth but at least they can sort of squish it themselves and feel it and that way they've got the texture I don't know. I yeah. just thought of scrambled eggs when you talked about the palmograss, how easy it would be to pick up. Right. I haven't seen a baby eating a boiled egg before, but scrambled mm. would definitely be soft. I know the yolk in a boiled egg is a little bit dry, right? So I've seen that mixed with yogurt. So you could try that, mash up the yolk, mix it with a bit of yogurt. And if your baby is self-seeding, you can buy these little spoons, like dipper spoons, so they can just kind of dip in yeah. anything thick, like oatmeal, Greek yogurt, mashed potatoes, and lick it so they can dip and lick. <laughs> yes, I think that's, that's a good idea because it helps them to stop being picky eaters too. Because I know a lot of parents think, oh, my baby's a picky eater. And they're probably just being a picky eater because they may not like that texture or they may not like yeah. that taste. I don't know. Yeah, that could be it. And you know, most babies aren't too selective about foods until they turn into a toddler and the growth slows, their appetite slows. And they, of course, learn how to say no, (laughs) right? So that tends to be when they start crawling around to some people hypothesize that children naturally become pickier because a long time ago, we didn't want them crawling around and eating all of these poisonous plants and things. So kind of a natural phase that a lot of toddlers go through. But for babies, most parents are surprised they'll eat oysters or some things that have really strong flavors that (laughs) even adults don't like or may not like. 
I think it's quite funny that watching babies' faces when you give them a new texture, you can tell whether they're going to like it or not. They might think, hmm, not sure about this, and they'll spit it out. I've seen babies doing that, and it's so cute. It is cute. It's just kind of a natural shock reaction to a stronger new flavor, right? Mm, yeah. And it's important to keep offering those foods, though, because often the parents will say, oh, you know, they don't like that. And then they never offer the, it again, but keep offering it again and again. I know we weren't going to talk about allergies, but I mentioned eggs. I guess you've got to be careful with things like eggs and nuts and all those kind of things for allergies, because if they've got an allergy, it can give them a gagging. They might choke it up. So that's something mm-hmm. also to bear in mind, isn't it? Yeah. So for the allergen, so eggs, dairy, yeah. wheat, fish, nuts, tree nuts, soy, we now know that introducing these foods early is actually good to oh, promote really? tolerance and potentially prevent allergy. Whereas we used to say, wait until one year to introduce egg whites, three years to introduce peanuts, and that just skyrocketed the rates of allergies. So now these high-risk allergens are actually good to introduce early and often, but I recommend introducing them during the day, right, rather than right before bed. So you can notice if your child, generally a baby allergic reaction would be a rash. Mm. So notice if they get rashy or vomit or, or any signs of other signs of allergy. Yeah, I think a lot of parents are so scared. The three things I think they're scared of, this is my own assumption, is choking, allergies, and not gaining enough weight and forcing them to eat. From my understanding, those are the three things that a lot of mums particularly worry about, that they're not getting enough food. I think you're right. When I talk to moms groups, though, I find moms are either on one end of the spectrum. So they're worried that their baby is not getting enough or they're worried that their baby is getting too much. (laughs) They're usually on one end. And the parents that are worried their baby is getting too much wonder if they should cut their baby off. Should they feed them smaller portions? And again, that's a technique that tends to backfire because if you restrict a person of any age, (laughs) they only crave that more. And then once Mm. the child has the ability eat as much as they want if they're restricted at home, whether it's school or birthday party, then they overeat and they're training them not to listen to their appetite and to become a bit of a binge eater. So again, it comes back to really trusting that your baby is the only one that knows if they're hungry rather than trying to control them and make them eat less or more. Yeah, I think that's a really good tip because... I think mums sometimes, as we say, don't realize that and they just give them too much. Letting them choose what they want to eat and putting a few things on a plate and letting them choose, I think is so important. I really love Ellen Satter's division of responsibility, which helps raise kids to have that healthy relationship with food. And really the child's only roles in eating are if they eat of what you've offered them at that mealtime or how much they eat. Sometimes they're not going to want to eat anything and that's okay. Sometimes they might want three portions and, and that's okay. And we know that babies, especially their appetites vary wildly, right? We've all seen them go through growth spurts and it's not constant like adults. So we can't expect that. And it's very normal to go up and down. What was the name of that book? It's Ellen, E-L-L-Y-N, Satter, S-A-T-T-E-R, Ellen Satter. And she has a bunch of books and she was kind of the creator of this concept, which is called the division of responsibility in feeding. So, you know, letting the kids' responsibilities be if or how much. And then the parents are what, when, and where. Mm, yes. So 
for babies, you know, what they're offered to eat. I see parents becoming shorter to cooks, even from starting solids when they say, oh, well, baby didn't eat the dinner, so I'm going to give them a banana. <laughs> and then that quickly turns into the toddler who only eats chicken fingers and fries because they're offered backup meals. So they don't yeah. want to try dinner. That's interesting you say that because it brings back to what we just said. If a child doesn't want to eat, well, then they're obviously not hungry. And I think giving him an option, sometimes it's good, but sometimes it isn't. When I was a child, I was always told, and I don't know whether it was a good thing or not, I was always told to eat everything on my plate before I got more. And if I didn't eat everything on my plate, well, then I wouldn't be hungry enough to want more. And I don't know whether <laughs> that's a good theory or not, but that's how I was brought up. To eat everything on your plate before you ask for more. I don't I know that I agree that. with that. Right. And, you know, there have been a number of studies of adult or college-aged kids, and we know that foods that they were made to eat as a child, often they still don't like them. And it's mm -hmm. not that maybe now they wouldn't like them, but they just have this bad negative memory associated with it. Yes. So if you didn't like broccoli or carrots and you wanted more pasta, but you had to eat your broccoli first, then it probably creates a lifelong unnecessary hatred of broccoli, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So you've written two books. So what are the two books and how can people find out about those books? Yeah, they both should be available on Amazon and they're called The Parent's Guide to Baby Led Weaning and Baby Food in an Instant Pot. If you have an instant pot, so about half of the books are starting solids information and then half our recipes, many that the whole family can eat. Well, that sounds good. So they're nice and easy for a mum to follow and understand all about what we've talked about, constipation and choking and fussy eating. So your books mm -hmm. describe all of that. It covers all of that, exactly. So if anybody wanted to get in touch with you and have a chat with you and find out more about your nutrition and your books, how can they go about doing that? The best place is probably my website, which is first nutrition.com and from there you can grab my freebies and find me on instagram and facebook and my email contact it's all listed on my website there thank you i enjoy talking to you i could sit here talking to you yeah. forever about nutrition because i'm passionate about nutrition as well it's so important to introduce good nutrition to a baby when they're very very young because then it encourages mm -hmm. them to eat well when they're older Thank you for sharing your tips. Is there any other tip that you would like to give to a mom about nutrition? That's a good question and a hard one. But I think it, like we've been talking about, you know, new moms have so much anxiety. And mm -hmm. when it comes to feeding, it's all the things you mentioned, whether it's allergies or choking or baby not eating enough. And not that this is an easy thing to do, but I think baby and mom would just benefit if they're able to step back and relax and just have fun, right? Just have fun mm -hmm. with starting solids. It's a fun learning and exploration process for your baby. Sometimes that's all it is for a couple of weeks and months and that's okay. So you both can enjoy that when trying to relax a little bit, you'll both benefit. It's easier with the second and third kit for sure. Yeah, because you've experienced all the sort of anxiety about the choking mm -hmm. and the constipation and all that with the first child. So you're a little bit more <laughs> relaxed with the second. I can relate <laughs> to that one. So thank you for that, Jennifer, and I'll put all those links to your books in the show notes. So thank you for joining me. I've enjoyed talking to you. Well, thanks for hosting me. Wow. Jennifer shared some great tips during our chat, and I learned a lot from her. I highly recommend checking out her website and social media and her freebies on family meal planning. 
and picky eating for ages from 1 to 14. I've included links to Jennifer's website and social media in the show notes, which can be found at mybabymassage.net forward slash podcast forward slash 115. Is your little one suffering from colic, constipation and have problems sleeping? Baby massage may be the solution you've been looking for to help you experience less crying, less stress and have a happier, more contented little one and household. I've created a free introduction video to baby massage that demonstrates its many wonderful benefits and how it can help both you and your little one. You can access this video by going to mybabymassage.net forward slash intro. That's mybabymassage.net forward slash intro. Next week, I'm chatting with Mama Four, previous midwife and now holistic pelvic care practitioner and restorative Pilates instructor, Prudence Todd. We will be discussing healing of the body after birth trauma. Be sure to listen to this episode when it comes out next week. And please subscribe to First Time Mums Chat via your favourite platform so that you can get quick and easy access to all of our episodes when they are live.